Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalm 2. We pray that as we read it now, you'd open our minds and our hearts to understand it, to see just how great you are and how great Jesus is, to love you more and trust you more. Amen. As Scott has been telling us today, the reading is from Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. All right, now kids, if you'd like to come down the front, you come down the front. Bring your mum or dad with you if you're feeling scared. You can bring them too. Come on down and grab a seat here so you can uh, see what's going on. Oh. Yeah, come on down. You can come on down. Come on down. Come on down. That's great. All righty. And make sure you oh, bring, your, bring your little sheets with you so you've got some too there. You can read along. Fantastic. Hey, um, Scott. Uh, yes, Wesley? I'm, I'm really, really sorry about before. Uh, you mean when you tried to fight me? Yeah. And you called me a big bully? Yeah. I'm sorry I tried to fight you, Scott. I'm sorry I accused you of being a bully. You're really not. You've always been r really kind to me. You're a good friend. And when you called me up... I just didn't, didn't want to come. And, and, and I just want to say that I'm, I'm sorry. And can you please forgive me and can we be friends again? Oh, Wesley, of course we can be friends again. If God could forgive me for all the ways I've fought against him, how can I not forgive you? Come on here, buddy. Bring it in. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> oh, Wesley. Uh... Do you want that back for your world record attempt? No, nah, don't worry about it, Scott. The slimy ones aren't any good for making big balls. Oh. You need the real, the real thick, sticky ones. Oh, that. that's they gross. They hold together better. That is gross, Wesley. Oh, yuck. Well, Wesley, it's not just blue monsters who uh, pick fights that they can never win and that don't make sense. Psalm 2 that we just read tells us about how our whole world picks a fight with God, a fight that they could never win and that doesn't make any sense. 
See there, guys, in that very first verse in Psalm 2 in your Bibles. You follow along with me. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. Scott, what does plot in vain mean? Well, to plot in vain means to make plans that are never going to work. And here in Psalm 2, it means that they've picked a fight that they can't win. Actually, that word plot means to think about or to plan. And it's exactly the same word used in Psalm 1 as the word meditate. See, in Psalm 1, the blessed man meditates. He thinks about, he plans how to completely obey God as God's anointed king. But in Psalm 2, the people of the world are the exact opposite. They meditate and think about and plan how to get rid of God and his anointed king. Why would they want to do that? Well, see in verse 3, they think that God is a cruel and unfair bossy boots. They think that obeying God is like being chained up like a slave and handcuffed. They think that we should be able to do what we want when we want and that God should just leave us alone. But God's not cruel or unfair at all, is he, Scott? No, not at all. Hey... Wesley, do you still have that remote control car I gave you for Christmas? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Let me let me go get it. Do you reckon he can find it? His room's pretty messy. We'll see. How you going in there, Wesley? Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's the one. Now, uh, Wesley, do you remember what I told you when I gave it to you? Yeah, you said that this, this. This car right here. This car right here. It's got some serious double joints there. (laughs) Is the super mega ultra turbo truck 5000. It's the best and fastest and toughest truck ever made. Okay, do you remember what else I said? Yes. Wesley, what else did I say when I gave you that truck? You You said don't drive it in water. And Wesley, can you tell me why your truck doesn't work anymore? I drove it in water and it fizzed and it crackled and smoke started pouring out. And that's that's why it doesn't work anymore. Oh, Wesley. See, you drove it in the water when I told you not to. Why, Why did you drive it in the water even though I told you not to do it? Well, I thought you were just being a cruel and unfair bossy boots. And I thought that if I wanted to drive my truck through the water, I should be able to. I should be able to do whatever I want to do. And you should just leave me alone. Well, that didn't work too well, did it? No. See, a lot of people, the whole world, we do the same thing to God. We think his rules are dumb. But they aren't. And we think that we know better. But we don't. We think that God's being a cruel and unfair bossy boots. But he's not. And we don't want to obey him. We don't want God as our king. We just want to do our own thing. But that doesn't work very well for us, does it? Not at all. I've got another question for you, Wesley. 
Mm-hmm. Here's a question. What can all the nations agree on? Hmm. That's a good question, Scott. World peace? No. No. They definitely can't agree on that. Mm, eradicating hunger and poverty? No. Not that either. Protecting the environment? No. No. Definitely not. Hmm. I don't know, Scott. What can all the nations of the world agree on? Nothing, actually. There's nothing that all the nations and countries and peoples of the world can agree on or come together for. See, the nations and the peoples of the world, they fight against each other. But there is one thing that they do agree on. The only thing that they do all agree on is that they don't want God to rule them and they don't want Jesus as God's king. The one thing that unites all the nations of the world, Psalm 2 tells us, is a common hatred towards God. And you know what? This can worry us a bit as Christians because one of the ways that the world shows its hatred towards God is by hating Jesus' followers. We can worry that the world is against us and that we'll be crushed, but God's not worried. Did you see how God responds? Have a look here at verse 4. Can you read that out for us, Wesley? Verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Ah, so it's a bit like how... You weren't worried before about me fighting you because I wasn't going to get past Craig. Yeah. And, you know, this king is God's very own son. God laughs at the world gathering to fight against him because he's already put his son, the eternal forever king, on the throne. And no one can ever get past him. See, they tried once before. The world tried to get rid of God's king, but that really didn't work. Do you you mean when Jesus, the light of the world, came into the world, and even though he made the world, the world rejected him and tried to get rid of him by arresting him and beating him, pew, pew, and killing him on a cross, and then three days later he rose back to life again, Mm. busted out of that tomb, went around for 40 days meeting hundreds of people and then floated up into heaven and sent his followers out to spread the news about him through the whole world. And now there's like more than 2 billion Christians alive in the world today. Is that what you mean, Scott? That's exactly what I mean, Wesley. That's uh, God sent his son into the world, the king of the world. But when the people of the world tried to get rid of him by killing him, but that was crazy because you can't get rid of God's king. Jesus is the one true God who defeated death and can't stay dead. And he is on the throne. See there in verse 9, it says that Jesus, when all the nations try and fight against Jesus, it's going to be like a battle between a baseball bat And a teacup. Who do you think is going to win? The baseball bat. Smash them like teacups. 
See, it's not Jesus' followers who will be crushed. The nations don't stand a chance against Jesus. No way, Jose. Yeah, so even when the world is against us, we remember that Jesus is sitting on the throne and that no one can ever defeat him. That's a comforting truth. Well, you bet it is, but it's also a really serious warning. Have a look there at verse 10. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry and your way will lead to destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Mm. Now here's a question. Who can tell me what this is? A white flag. And, and do you know what it means, guys? Yeah? What does it mean if I'm in a battle and I wave this flag? Acha. It means I'm surrendering. It means that I realise that my enemy is stronger than me and this is a battle that I can't win and so I give up. I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Well, do you know, Jesus... The king of heaven is coming back and he's going to bring all of heaven and all of earth under his one kingdom. He'll get rid of every other kingdom that opposes him and doesn't surrender to his rule. And so this psalm tells us that if people are wise, they're going to do three things. First, a wise person will realize they can't win against Jesus and they will surrender and serve him with fear and respect. Secondly, a wise person will realise that Jesus is not a cruel or unfair or bossy boots king, but that he is a wise and good and perfect king. They will be glad and celebrate that he is the king. And thirdly, a wise person will realise that Jesus loves them and sacrifice himself for them. And they will love him back and make peace with him. A bit like when I came and said, I was sorry for wanting to fight you. And you forgave me? Exactly like that. Mm. Scott, I think we need to pray that the people of our world will be wise. We certainly do. But, but Scott, Mm. I just noticed something else too. Do you remember how... the beginning of Psalm 1, it says that Jesus is blessed because he's perfectly holy and righteous. But now here, at the end of Psalm 2, it says that the people who take refuge in Jesus are blessed. That's right, Wesley. Just like a little kid who runs in the arms of their dad and hides in their arms, everyone who hides in Jesus is completely, perfectly safe and secure and will prosper even after they die. Blessed. I'm so glad that Jesus is king. Me too, Wesley. What about you guys? Are you glad that Jesus is king? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is king. Please help us and the people of our world to be wise. Help us to surrender and realize 
that, and serve you with fear and respect. Help us to realize that you are not cruel or unfair, but a wise and good and perfect king who does what is good for us. And help us to realize just how much you loved us and help us to love you back. Amen.